We're going to get into our last series, last lesson of the Living Large series. And, and this morning, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, and Revelations chapter 22, verse 17. And when we're done, all your questions about the Bible that you've ever had will be answered. <laughs> and you'll have read 90% of it. The, uh, I'm kidding. The, uh, <laughs> we're, we're looking at the idea, the call of God in our lives to live large, to expand, both individually and as a church. God has designed us and He expects us to live large, to expand our territory. He gives Israel instruction to expand their territory. He, ex- he gives us instructions on how to expand our territory. And so he, he, he calls us to, to think differently. He, he calls us to lower barriers. He calls us to raise expectations. And, and we check our motives. We check our methods. We check the message of our lives. And that's what we've covered so far in this series. And if you haven't been able to be here for all of it, I just encourage you to go on the website or the app and listen to the, to the sermons that are recorded there. But that's what we've been talking about. And today we're going to look at living large as the family of God, the family of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Uh, it's kind of our, our launch scripture. It's been a scripture that we've talked about throughout the course, or Ephesians 2 we've been talking about throughout the course of this series. He says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. So he's talking to anyone who is not Jewish, some, anyone who is not of the Abrahamic lineage. He's talking to them, the Gentiles. You're no longer strangers and foreigners. So there was a day when you were, but you're no longer. You're not anymore. You are citizens with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. So you went from being a stranger and a foreigner to being the family of God. I, I just say, great job, Adam and Peter, this morning, representing what it means to be a stranger and a foreigner, but become part of a family. It's a beautiful thing. I, I admire all the families in our church that have adopted children. You are living out what Jesus is talking about through His life and what the writer of Ephesians is laying out for us. Great job, great heart. Through the death of Christ, He broke down the walls of separation. We talked about that. And He united two groups of people, which increased His impact on earth by creating the church. His death was the price for the church. His burial was the liberation of the church. His resurrection was the empowerment for the church, and His Word was the direction of the church. Christ is all wrapped up in this thing called the church. And our relationship with Jesus causes us to become part of the church, or what is known as the family of God. And He commanded His church to expand. We did some expansion at the table on Thanksgiving Day. I expanded my borders and let out my belt. The, uh, he commanded his church to expand. Talking about expanding the family means talking about babies. 
Scripture often, often uh, equates the relationship between God and the church with marriage between a man and a woman. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this as a, a precursor to the rest of the sermon, and that is that in a crowd like this, there are p- going to be people here who have dealt with infertility issues, you've had difficulty getting pregnant, you've had uh, issues with uh, things like miscarriages and things like that. And we're going to be talking this morning about the idea of what should happen in relationship to having children or expanding the church at large. And, and I might hit some things today that, that might touch some sensitive nerves in your life. And, and my, my, my goal is not to offend or to hurt, which is why I'm, I'm trying to help that by, by stating it up front. My heart goes out to people who struggle in these areas. But I pray that we can, that we can receive a word from the Lord today and from His word that will help us move forward as a church and as individuals. So our big idea this morning is this. Life moves at the speed of relationship. It moves at the speed of relationship. We, we aren't related on earth, most of us. But spiritually, we have the same Father. I look across the room today, and, and some of you, I don't even know your names, and you might not know my name, and, but yet we are related because we are part of God's family. We're part of His church. Jesus made God's church a place where strangers are brought together and become family. Where the relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles changed, Everything around them began to change, and the gospel of Jesus Christ was spread around the world. Can I tell us, McCord Road Christian Church, when the relationship between McCord Road Christian Church and the community around us begins to change, then God will be glorified, and the gospel message of Jesus Christ will be spread around the earth. It, it means expanding our territory and expanding God's family. So I have three thoughts for us today. Thought number one is this. We live large when relationship produces fruit. We live large when relationship produces fruit. I've said it several times, but God expects His family to grow. And, and, and growth happens... When people willingly apply the gospel of Jesus Christ to their lives. They they join the family in salvation. And then they begin the maturing process. Nobody matures pre-family. We mature in the family. The child matures in the family, oftentimes thinking that they're more mature than they actually are. But that's another sermon altogether. <laughs> when the family, when the, the child is born, it has all kinds of needs and wants and desires. And it puts nothing into the family. It receives from the family. It can't even love the family Really. I know, I know. Dangerous statement to make. Of course, little Johnny, 
He's sitting there. He's four minutes old. And he obviously has a great attachment to mama and daddy. No, he's got a great attachment to food. But he has no idea how the rest of that is, who the rest of those things are. I can remember the first time my sons looked at me and said, Dada. All of a sudden, it was like, why did that mean so much? It's because they connected to me. There was a maturing process that was taking place, and all of a sudden, they knew who I was in their life, and I liked it. It was a great moment for me. In fact, I think it was a bigger moment for me than it ever was for them. They don't remember it. They don't remember it to this day, but it's seared into my mind. And, and from that day, they have continued to mature until the, they've become the young men that they are today. In the law of hermeneutics, or the study of Scripture, there's a law called first, the law of first mention. God is consistent, or He's constant, so the laws that He works with are consistent. And the law of first mention simply says this, that when you see the first time God does something, it establishes the methodology by which He does everything else relating to that subject matter. And so when you, when you do a study in the Word of God, you need to go to the first time that God did it. Because He says, I'm God, I change not. And so the way He starts something sets the tone for how He's going to do that same thing every time from that point forward. Now, relationships change and things happen and, and God, God does not do it exactly the same way. But the principle remains consistent. So the church is described as the bride of Christ. The relationship between God and the church is compared to that of a husband and a wife. So to the first husband and wife, God said this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Fill the earth and govern it. So first, he blessed them. Second, he commanded them to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. And then third, he said to govern the earth. So fill the, bless them, command to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Third, govern the earth. So here's the standard between God and his church. We look at Matthew 28, 19, and 20. And the Bible says this, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So to the church, This stuff excites me. I I get really excited about this. So the church, Christ said, first, be fruitful and multiply or make disciples. Second, govern the church or teach them to observe all of my commandments. Third, he said, I'm blessing you and won't stop blessing you. So I'm with you to the end of the age. So notice this. The elements between what God said to Adam and Eve and the elements that God said to the church are the same. The order, the order shifted slightly, 
in that the blessing changes position in the list, but being fruitful always comes before governing. Always comes before governing. So the relationship between God and His church should produce babies. But this short Bible study lesson reveals this. We must birth the baby before we govern the baby. (laughs) We have to birth it before we can govern it. And the baby, now this is going to shock you, absolutely shock you, ready? You, you might want to take out a whole notebook right now to take notes on this point. The baby never decides to be born. Never. The baby never says, hey mom and dad, you know what I'd really like to see happen right now? I'd like to be born in about nine months. Never happens. The the baby never makes the choice. Had a young lady sit in the office with me one time, and uh, and and her family was there, and she said, uh, "Pastor, I I I don't, I don't know how to say it, but 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 I'm pregnant." And I said, "Okay." And she said, "I don't know how I'm pregnant." And I thought maybe that's a better subject for mom and dad to cover than than for me to cover right here, because see. There's some things that have to happen before pregnancy. And, and so in that particular moment, I had a good idea of how she got pregnant. And the baby she was carrying didn't have anything to do with it. The baby was a response of the action. In the house of God, the church... The mama makes the choice as to whether or not babies will be born into the house. If everything's working like it should and there are no complications, then when mom and dad say we're ready to bring a child into this world, it's not too long after that that suddenly the, the, the lady says, you know what, I think that I'm pregnant now. And, and there's rejoicing that's in the house Well, when a church decides, you know what? We believe that God is doing something so beautiful and so exciting in our lives that we want to share it with everybody. When the church says we are ready to start begin giving birth to new babies in Christ, then it's not too long before you start seeing people say, I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. I want to make Him the Lord of my life. I want to step into relationship with God in a brand new way. Why? Because an atmosphere is created in the house where somebody says, you know what? I am making room at the table. I'm making room in the house for you. I'm knocking everything over too. But, but we're making room. We are being intentional about creating an atmosphere in this house that says babies are welcome here. Now, if all you have is babies in the house, then all you got is a mess. But if you have mature adults bringing children into the world, then you have an amazing atmosphere in that house where miraculous things can happen. 
The same is true in your life. When you do right things, God begins to bless the right things you do. And I would encourage you this morning, if you don't like the fruit that's coming from your life, check the relationships in your life. Say, I just don't like the things that are going on in my world. Who are you hanging out with? I don't like the the fruit that's being produced from my life. Who have you become friends with? Who are you allowing to speak into your life and to sow into your world? Who are you allowing access to your life? The fruit, the fruit is response to the relationships of your life. Maybe it's career. Maybe it's the financial world. Maybe it's friendships in your life or the spiritual dynamic of your life. Whatever it may be, if you're looking at the fruit and you don't like it, you're like, hey, listen, I thought I was bearing apples, but it looks like I got pears instead. And I'm not real happy with that. I'm not a major fan of pears. I'll eat them, but they're not my favorite. If that's you, check the relationship. Check the relationships of your life. Thought number two is this. We live large when passion drives the process. I met a man who has six children. And he joked, he said, you know what, I don't really like kids that much. I just really like my wife. (laughs) Passion was driving the process. Two things I believe are true. One, I believe that there are many people in our community that are desperate for the difference that Jesus Christ can make in their lives. I believe they are hungry for, for relevant and rooted message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe they are hungry for the things of God to be manifest in their life. And number two, I believe that McCord Road Christian Church is a healthy community that is more than able to bring healthy children into this world. I believe it. Jesus' passion pushed the process forward. We call it the passion of the Christ. Before the foundation of the earth, there was a process put into place. But the passion of Christ is the thing that made it move forward. He could have changed his mind any time throughout his lifetime. He certainly could have changed it in the garden. He could have changed it in the courtroom. He could have changed it at any time. He could have said, no, that's, this is not my cup of tea. I've decided no. But his passion for the lost in our world said, I must go through this process. So McCord Road, will our passion for Christ produce many spiritual babies... Or just those that survive our unintentional birth control methods. Will we be a community that's open and welcome to the sinner, the thief, 
the doubter, the hero, the coward, the prisoner, the soldier, the young, the older, the, those who hunger, those who thirst, the last and the first, the paupers, the princes, those who have failed and have been forgiven, those dreamers and those suffering, those who've lost and uh, loved and lost, those who are chained and those who are free, the followers and the leaders, those who have been let down, those who have been lost and those who are found, those who are right and and those who are wrong? That's what we've sung about this entire month. Will we be open? Will we make room at the table for all? That's why we're looking at a third service. That's why we have five Christmas Eve services. It's because we're saying, come to the table. The Father is calling you, and we're making room at the table. The Scripture would say it this way. Let's, let's bring Bible into it. Revelation 22, 17. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. Who's the Spirit? God. Who's the Bride? Say, come. The church, that's right. The Spirit and the Bride say come. The Spirit and the Bride say come. There has to be a relationship between the Spirit and the Bride. There has to be a united recognition of what needs to happen between the Spirit and the Bride. The Spirit and the Bride say come. Let anyone who hears this say come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. Jesus is calling. They are ready. Are we willing to offer a seat at the table? We are the keepers of the table and we determine their reception. We determine their reception. In your life, are you open to the relationships that Christ would bring into your life? In this Christmas season, are you open to the relationships that God would bring into your world? Would you, would you welcome them with open arms and say there's room at the table for you? Or would you say, no, 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 no. I'm guarded and I'm shut off and I'm careful and I'm cautious. And, 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 and there's a place for all of those things. We've set it up from the beginning of this series. We're not talking about changing the gospel or the doctrine of Jesus Christ. We're not, we're, I'm just saying, are you open to what God is doing in your world? If you do right things, God blesses the right things you do, but we have to be ready to receive the blessings that He receives, that He brings, rather. And often the, bless, the greatest blessings of God look an awful, like, awful lot like a relationship with an individual. You can close yourself off and life moves slowly, or you can open up your life and it will speed up. Thought number three today, we live large when the family celebrates together. The family gets bigger, and suddenly we're hit with the recognition that we don't know everybody anymore. We don't know names of everyone anymore. We don't know where everyone lives, and we don't know what everyone does, and we're not as tightly connected as we used to be. I want you to notice over here there are multiple tables in the room now. If we have those pictures, can you put them up there for me? I think we have some pictures. We have multiple tables. See that? Multiple tables. Go ahead and show the next one too. Multiple tables. This right here 
is Thanksgiving at Betty Bassett's family's house. She is one of 12 girls. Uh-huh. There's a special place in heaven for her parents, I'm just telling you. They had over 70 people at Thanksgiving because everybody couldn't be there. And this is just the immediate family. At Christmas, they should have 139 folks. We call that a church. (laughs) But this is their family. They can't all fit at one table. There's just no way for them to fit at one table. And so they could, they could bemoan that. They could say, you know what? I tell you what, let's just not invite half the family. See, the problem, the, the, the reality is when we have the one table, it's exciting because everybody's close and everybody can touch and I can reach across the table and get the potatoes from that one there and we can have a great conversation. But when, when the table gets too big, it automatically starts separating the conversation. You, you, you sit in a table of 12 or 15 people, suddenly everybody's not talking about the same thing anymore. There are different conversations going on, but you lose the, you, you lose the intimacy even though you're sitting at the same table. Well, when, when you create different tables, well, all of a sudden, you can have intimacy at this table, you can have intimacy at this table, you can have intimacy at this table... You have many conversations going on and you still retain the intimacy and you don't have to limit it to just a few. This is what we call our life groups and our classes here at McCord. If you don't know everyone's name, that's okay. I wouldn't quiz Betty on this, but I'm guessing she doesn't know everybody's name in those pictures. I hope she does, but I wouldn't. But I can know everybody's name at this table. I can know everybody's name at this table. I can know everybody's name at this table. I can develop the relationships that I need and and that God brings into my life by getting involved in the fabric of the community and by inviting others to get involved in the fabric of the community with me. One table equals one conversation, but it's very limiting. One big table creates many conversations. It's less limiting, and it's also less intimate. But many smaller tables equals many conversations. It's not not limiting at all, and it retains the intimate nature of the small table. This is our big table gathering. Our life groups and our classes are our small table gatherings. I encourage you, get involved in those. Get involved in those. This is going to be my favorite part of this whole series right here. How many people are in, in here are grandparents? Just raise your hand if you're a grandparent. All right, put your hand down if you have less than 10 grandkids. Okay, we still have one one hand up. Ten grandkids. That's awesome. I was just guessing at ten. I was just picked a random number. Ten grandkids. 
When my family started growing, my grandparents called me one day, and I was like 32 years old or something like that, and they said, Micah, I'm really sorry to tell you this, but, but, and my grandfather was all emotional and, and upset, and I couldn't, I didn't know why, and I said, Papa, what's wrong? And he said, I just hate to tell you this, but... I, you know, I have grandkids and I have great grandkids and, 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 and we just, just keep, I mean, y'all are just breeding like rabbits and we've got a, and, and there's just a lot of folks. And so he didn't say that. I'm, but I said, uh, he, he said, he said, I know every year since the day you were born, we've been sending you X amount of dollars for Christmas, but it's gotten to the point where I'm on a fixed income and, and I can't do that. And so I'm having a cut back and I was like, Papa. Well, I'm 32 years old. I'm making my own money. The $25 you've sent me for every year for Christmas really hasn't been the make it or break it thing for me. And I, I really appreciate it. I love it. I'm so grateful for it. But, but it's okay if you, why don't you cut me out and all the rest of your grandkids and just go to the great grandkids. And so that's what they did. They, they had to change how they operated in order to accommodate the growing family. But with 10 grandkids or however many grandkids that you have, because you have that number of grandkids, you can't build the, the absolute best relationship. Gavin, can you help me? Can you help me? Come here. Come here. If this is your grandson and you want to have a great relationship with your grandson, then, then you want to put every ounce of effort into having a relationship with this grandson. Stand still, Gavin. Stand still, Gavin. Yeah. But if you've got another grandson, well, obviously, your attention is now separated. So now you have two grandkids. You can't spend as much time with this grandson anymore because now you have two grandkids. So here's my question. Which one of your grandkids do you want to give up? so that you can have a better relationship with the one that you chose. (laughs) Well, everybody in the room is saying that is the dumbest thing on God's earth. I'm not giving up any one of my grandkids. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Can I ask Ed and Donna McConnell to come here, please? Help me just for a minute. Ed and Donna McConnell are some of the long-time members of this congregation. And their sacrifice, and I'm probably going to cry when I talk about this because I honor it. Your sacrifice, your dedication, everything you've done for so many years. How, how long have you been in this church now? 31 years. And when we came, you welcomed us with open arms and honored us. And we... we Everything we're standing in and on and has a lot to do with the two of you and what you've helped build in this house. Is Nora here? Where's Nora? Come here, Nora. Is Dossiel here? I don't know if he's in this service or not. But come here, Nora. Nora, how, how long have you been in this church? About seven years. And last week you got baptized, didn't you? Oh, that's awesome. I want to make an introduction here. Y'all may not know this, but Ed and Donna McConnell, I want to introduce to you Nora 
who is your spiritual granddaughter. You should probably give her a hug or something. (laughs) Here's what happened. 30 some odd years ago, y'all helped establish a place where everyone that ultimately touched Nora's life was able to be healthy, to be fed, to be touched by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because you loved and you made a space for that, you made a place for, I don't know how you came here, I don't know, I don't know who invited you the first time. I don't know if you just saw the building and showed up one day. I don't know if your mama dragged you kicking and screaming. I don't know. I don't know how you got here. But but when hopefully that wasn't it. But uh, <laughs> that'd have been awkward. But the uh, but when it happened because seven years ago wasn't too long and you weren't that young. Anyway, there's a whole different message there. But the but when, however that happened, the table was set. You set the table. You made the room. And now God brought a new generation into your world. Spiritual grandparents, spiritual granddaughter. How many more grandchildren and children do we have out there right now that have yet to be touched? And which ones... Do we want to say no to? Do we want to say no to Nora? No, we don't want to say no to Nora. We know Nora now. We want to keep her close. We want God to do great things in her life. We want to celebrate her. And we want to celebrate what God does in her life for years and years to come. Why? Because we know her. But there are many grandchildren out there right now that we don't know their names. We don't know their story. But we do know that they need a place at the table. They need a church that's willing to live large. Thank you all very much. We live large when the family celebrates together. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads this this morning. Last week we had Emily. Emily's a student in Lindsay Dodd's life group. Lindsay's dad is Kurt Bernsdorf. Last week here at this nine o'clock service, Kurt, Lindsay, and Emily were all baptized. There is a generational blessing that comes along with that. Along with people. Kurt raised his family. Lindsay allowed her life to be a testimony of God's goodness. And Emily. Emily becomes the granddaughter. A generational blessing. in your life this morning are you ready to live large and let God guide the relationships of your life life moves at the speed of relationships
McCord Road, are we willing to live large? Are we ready to start seeing more and more babies born into the kingdom of God? It takes us, the parents. God already said yes. Is the mother ready to bear children? I believe that's the phase of life that God is calling us into right now. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, as we close this series and this service, give us the wisdom that we need to live large, to make room at the table, not sacrificing the truths of your gospel, not sacrificing the relationship, but changing how we must go about it. I'm asking you, mighty God, to help us to think differently. Let our motivations be right. I'm asking you, my Savior, to guide us, to stretch us. In your precious name, Jesus, we pray. And everybody say amen.